This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. I'm Chris Knutson, your host for today's episode, and I trust this finds you doing exceptional wherever you are, whatever engineering project you happen to be working on. In today's episode, I'll be talking with an entrepreneurial educator and success coach, Debbie Rustin, about identifying, developing, and integrating entrepreneurial skills in one's engineering career. Now, this episode isn't about quitting your job and adopting a four-hour workweek globetrotting vagabond in existence, although you could certainly do that if you have a strategy around it and you've developed the skill sets to make it a reality. Instead, the discussion is going to be within the framework of leveraging an entrepreneurial mindset to generate career opportunities for yourself and business opportunities for your company. You're going to be learning that you don't have to work out of your garage or the local Starbucks to be labeled an entrepreneur, but you're still going to have to face three major hurdles. Debbie's going to label these and she's going to provide some insight on how to overcome them. But before we do that, I want to ask, are you an ambitious engineer who wants insight but doesn't feel like they're getting the advice and guidance that you need from your engineering organization or the firm that you work for? Do you wish you could surround yourself with other engineers who are as equally ambitious about achieving their goals and obtaining success and willing to share their insight and experience? Well, if it sounds like you, then you're going to want to check out the Engineering Mastermind. With a growing community of over 100 motivated engineers, engineering career success webinars, conference calls, and topic-focused forums, it's the only membership community for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. Head over to engineeringcareercoach.com slash mastermind. That's forward slash mastermind to learn more. All right, I want to give you a quote related to today's topic to bring us into the show, and this one comes from Benjamin Disraeli. The secret of success in life is for a man to be ready for his opportunity when it comes. And with that, let's move into the main segment today, how to build entrepreneurial skills for engineering career and business success with entrepreneurial educator and success coach, Debbie Rustin. Now it's time for the main segment of our show, and I have with me today, Debbie Rustin. Debbie's a successful entrepreneur and trainer since 1986 and has been helping people discover their limitations and overcome them. She's one of the top 51 human potential influencers, and her entrepreneurial leadership curriculum has just been awarded a Leadership 500 Excellence Award through a prominent HR organization. She works with individuals and corporations alike to unlock human potential. And Debbie, thanks for joining us on the show today. Absolutely. My pleasure, Chris. Now, the show notes for today's episode are going to be at engineeringcareercoach.com, and they're going to contain a summary of the key points discussed, as well as links to any of the resources websites or books that are going to be mentioned during the show. And again, you can go over to engineeringcareercoach.com and tap into all that goodness. Now, Debbie, we're going to start off first by just asking you if you can maybe share a little bit more with the audience about what the entrepreneurial leadership curriculum is. Yeah, I'm happy to, Chris. Well, really, we work with individuals, businesses, and the educational sector to really develop the mindset of an entrepreneurial leader. So as an example, students of the program learn to take on a higher level of leadership, more personal responsibility, really strengthen their decision making, learn about commitment, confidence, self-esteem, self-respect. There's a number of things, embracing risk, identifying opportunity, really learn to become very solution oriented. The list goes on and on and on. 
And, uh, you know, we, we talk about being solution oriented as an entrepreneurial skill, but, you know, that's something that really does apply to all aspects of life, as all of these traits do. So uh, we really look to raise the bar in, in all of the traits that successful entrepreneurs have and uh, help them not just apply that to business, but also it'll be a trickle down effect and, and improve other areas of their life as well. And then in addition, we provide ongoing weekly support calls to really deepen that experience of learning. So it seems kind of natural to me as I'm sitting here thinking through this, you know, especially because our audience is, our, is and are engineers by and large. And a lot of them are in the business of solving problems, of identifying requirements and trying to come up with solutions. And you're working with individuals and then even with some of the companies you've worked with, experience working with engineers specifically. And have you, and if you have, have you been able to find that they have a different take or maybe a, a different approach to entrepreneurial mindsets and entrepreneurial skill sets? Well, engineers, we haven't directly done any work with engineers specifically. And I think everyone would agree that engineers tend to be very analytical. That's just part of their makeup, you know, and that's what makes them really great engineers is they, you know, they're thinking in a different way than, than a lot of people would think. And, um, you know, as far as this program assisting them, this is something that it just helps them think past the natural skills they have and start to develop other skills that can support them in furthering their careers. So what comes to mind for me, and this doesn't have any direct relation to our program, but I read an article a little while ago about a young girl who had graduated with an engineering degree. And most people that come out of college or university would think, you know, the only solution is to go and, and work for a company. And this young girl had grown up where, you know, being a, a girl wasn't really encouraged to think in engineering terms, so to speak. And she felt that the toys, you know, she was given Barbies and a lot of toys that were very appropriate to girls growing up, but not really encouraging someone like her who had an interest in engineering to go into that field. And she felt that was really lacking and that a lot of girls would consider engineering as a viable career solution if they were encouraged as young children. So she took the knowledge and the training that she had as an engineer, and she actually developed a toy for girls that was in relation to engineering. So it was sort of like a Lego type product, but geared to, to young girls. So it was great to see that because she found a need that was not being filled, such as toys for, for children, specifically young girls, saw that there was a lack in that area, and then took her knowledge and applied that to a very entrepreneurial venture. And there's a lot of things like that, obviously, that people can do in the engineering field. That's an exceptional story. And I know that uh, my, my partner, Anthony, had an opportunity to uh, interview. And I've got, we'll, have to do the, we'll have to do the back end checking on this because I think it may have actually been the same young lady who did something very similar to this. Safria Hobbs, is that name familiar? I can't remember. I'll look it up. I'd know it when I see it, but it's been a while. It's actually probably, you know, over a year since I looked at that article, but I could probably find it and, and get that to you. I'll find a link and get it over to you. Okay, great. And we'll make sure in the show notes for everybody that's listening to this, that if this, if this is the same one, it's uh, in any regards, you can even go to episode 35 of the Engineering Career Coach podcast. And uh, Anthony had an interview with uh, Sophia Hobbs, who took a $88,000 uh, kind of a Kickstarter program and, and put together some toys for young girls. So, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's a, I mean, a prime example of 
of entrepreneurial initiative, entrepreneurial skill. You know, so this is a challenge that, that faces many people who may have the skills, you know, may have good communication skills, may have good problem-solving skills. But when they start hearing that as soon as the world entrepreneur comes out, just in conversations I've had with some people, it begins to make them feel a little uncomfortable because they immediately feel like, well, you know, I've got to be innovative. You know, I've got to have a, take a lot of risk. It's an uncomfortable area to be in. What do you say to somebody who maybe looks, when they hear the word entrepreneur, they immediately think risk. They immediately think tech startup or challenge and, and hard work. So maybe some thoughts you can share to either support that or defunct it. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. And again, it's not just in engineering, it's in every single type of business idea a person could have. Initially, people may get an idea that they want to start their own business. And there's so many, if you if you get talking to people, there's so many that have dreamed of that perhaps their whole lives of being self-employed. But really what it boils down to, why don't people take action on that? There's so much fear and so many limiting beliefs and giving into circumstances that stop people from actually taking that step. So as a society, we're conditioned to believe the only way to work is to work for an employer. And we've all bought into that to some extent until we make that decision to go out and carve our own path. So really, you know, it's just conditioned belief. We are not taught as a society that this is a viable option. But if you look back, you know, 100 years ago, there were no corporations to take care of us before the industrial age. And People just naturally went out and found a way to provide for their families through self-employment because they didn't have all these fears and limiting beliefs instilled into them. So it's really learning to think differently. And this is where, you know, developing a mindset of an entrepreneur, especially in today's age, is so vital for people to really be able to succeed in the 21st century. I've read recently that as we move towards even in like the last five to 10 years, as you move forward with the change in the way that industries are built, the way that the companies are established in this, you know, that the fact that starting work with one company right after you graduate from college is the same one you're going to work with through your entire career. You know, kind of the, the standard that maybe my grandparents and, and my mm. parents' generation came up with, that we're shifting more to this freelancing type of a world. Maybe I'll even use the word entrepreneurial. And I've read somewhere that uh, by even by 2020, that uh, 60% or more of professionals in North America will be working in a contract or freelance type of environment. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So with that shift underway already, and uh, both of us, especially you with the people that you work with and even myself professionally, a number of people that I know that have started going down this road of being a solopreneur or starting their own small, small business what are some of the major hurdles, or maybe let's say just three main hurdles or blocks that could keep someone from reaching their highest potential in this arena of either being a solopreneur or carving their own path, as you mentioned? And do you have any examples of how people were able to overcome those blocks and what resulted? Yeah, absolutely. And and what I mentioned a moment ago, actually, is fear. Fear is the killer of dreams. It's something that people when you're immersed in fear, you feel like you're kind of closed in and you can't find a way out. And when you add to that, the limiting beliefs, you know, those conditioned beliefs that you have. So someone that wants to start a business, but yet they think, oh my gosh, you know, I want to start it. And, you know, it would be great to be self-employed, but what about this? What about that? And, and, you know, things come up like fear of risk and limiting beliefs. Am I capable of running my own company? Do I need an employer? You know, 
nobody else I know is doing this. And comparing yourself to others around you, which are also people that are conditioned to think the only way to work is for an employer. And giving into circumstances, you know, you don't have the money, you don't have this, you don't have that. There's many circumstances that we can use as excuses that stop us from moving forward, starting a business or really anything in life. So those three things, fear, limiting beliefs and giving into circumstances, I believe are three of the things that really block people from taking action on what they truly want for themselves deep in their heart. That's a key, you know, is listening to your heart and not giving in to these things that can stop us from moving forward. Now, you asked me about examples of people being able to overcome these blocks. And it's interesting, you know, it's not rocket science. You don't have to be somebody that has a million degrees after your name. And as a matter of fact, there's a lot of people with no degrees that that have gone on to create phenomenal success being self-employed. You know, you think about the things that I've talked about, fear, limiting beliefs, giving into circumstances, I think the best example I could share with you of of giving into circumstances is a gentleman that we actually use a lot of different examples in our curriculum. And this man's name, his name is Oz Sanchez. And Oz actually uh, was paralyzed in a hit and run accident. Long story, but, you know, I'll kind of jump to the chase here. A lot of people that are paralyzed go through depression and, and become the victim of their circumstances and just give in. You know, where's my life going? You know, I couldn't, I wanted to do this, but I couldn't, I can't now because of, you know, this, that, and the other. And in Oz's example, he actually was introduced to wheelchair racing when he was going through recovery. And he now today, several years later, he went on to win multiple gold and silver medals at the Beijing and most recent London Paralympics. And he continues to race all over the world. He's on the U.S. team over and over again. And he's a very, now a very sought after speaker. So he could have been, I mean, that is a health situation where most people would just become the victim, you know, victim of circumstance. I wanted to do this, but poor me, I can't because of. And he could have been one of those people. He's a great example, and he continues to inspire people all over the world through his, what we call the North Star. He has a tattoo on his shoulder that says, no, K-N-O-W, no, N-O, limits, no, no limits. And those are the words he lives his life by, despite his obstacles. And I could share a million things that have happened to this guy, but he just keeps getting up time and again and has beat the odds. And, you know, this is what it takes if you want to create results in your life, whether it's being an entrepreneur or just being the best employee you can be, is to not be a victim of your circumstance and go back to what we talked about earlier, be solution oriented, find ways around things that seem like They could stop you in your tracks, but go forward anyway. And then when we talk about fear and limiting beliefs, these things really go hand in hand. You know, some examples that I could share there is we have people that had all kinds of of fears and limiting beliefs, people that couldn't even use a computer when we met them, didn't know how to turn it on, or they were afraid of public speaking or afraid of flying. I mean, there's lots of different fears we could talk about and, and limiting beliefs, but As I look at some of these individuals, these are people now that are not just using computers that couldn't even turn them on, didn't know where the button was, but they're proficiently running businesses that are computer-based. We've got people that have become trainers in their businesses, doing lots of speaking and webinars, conferences, podcasts, things like that. People that have overcome their fear of flying, and that may have stopped them from taking on advancement potential in the work that they were doing, or, you know, even something as simple as missing you know, visiting their family and and other parts of the country. So 
people are able to achieve such remarkable things in their life if they're able to learn to push through their fear and limiting beliefs. And again, this applies to all aspects of life. We've got people that have saved their marriages, quit smoking, lose large amount of weights. The list goes on and on and on. Improvements are in all aspects of life when you learn to look at these things head on, fear, limiting beliefs, and giving into circumstance and become solution-oriented and find ways around these things. Really great words here. And so just to kind of summarize, I took really kind of the three, these three main hurdles of being fear, being a victim, and then limiting beliefs. And I was just kind of taking some notes and kind of thinking through this. And we're talking about a mindset shift here, right? And we're talking about going from, Absolutely. Yeah, from, from one location to another, which is what enables all these, these different changes that potentially could happen. So I thought, you know, you've got fear and it requires one to have to go through the mindset shift to go to courage, which we could almost do an, probably an entire show on that one just by itself. You know, the second one of being a victim, which I think uh, is something that at one point in time afflicts everyone that they, you know, that they operate in this, this realm of being a victim. But it's that necessity to be able to shift yourself out of that and then go into what I came up with another C word, uh, creator. So go from being a victim to being the creator. And then with limiting beliefs, it's really talking about expanding your comfort zone and uh, and starting to move right outside of that. So, so Debbie, thanks for sharing those three hurdles because it leads us right into what I've already kind of mentioned, which was this necessity to be able to enact a mindset shift. You know, if anyone is faced with different levels or any of these three hurdles of either of being you know being fearful of feeling like a victim or these limiting beliefs, so. As you've worked with different individuals over the years in starting this journey of doing the mindset shift of going from where they are now to where they need to be in order to be fully enabled in bringing their highest potential, what kind of a time frame have you seen associated with this? Is this something that's that's evolutionary? Is it transformational in nature? Are we talking something that's going to be kind of a long game? Or for some people, has it been maybe like an overnight shift based off of circumstances? Yeah, there's a there's quite a few questions in there actually and you hit something really important there Chris and it is a mindset shift. That's where it starts and I want something to be really really clear for people and success is not created with the absence of fear, limiting beliefs or this past conditioning. Successful people feel all of those same things. Successful entrepreneurs feel very really, very real all those same things. It's not the absence of that. The difference between those that are able to go on and push through that is simply recognizing it's part of the process, first of all. You don't have to have a lack of fear in order to take action. You can be very fearful and still take action anyway. I remember the first time I spoke on a stage. This was about 30 years ago. And I literally thought I was going to throw up. I was a nervous wreck. I literally felt physically ill. So I didn't have an absence of fear. I had a desire to overcome that. And I took the action despite the fear. And that was a really big stepping stone for me personally, because I realized that you don't have to get rid of fear in order to take an action that is uncomfortable for you. It's simply part of the process. And the only way to get rid of the fear, people think you have to get rid of the fear first. It's not getting rid of the fear first. You have to face the fear, be willing to take a stand for what you want in your life, take the action, even though you're fearful, 
And then the fear becomes less and less the more you take the action. And I don't think it ever totally goes away. I think if you talk to any actor, you know, that or singer, entertainer, they could be entertaining on stages for 30, 40 years and still get those butterflies backstage before they go on. So they may not ever get rid of it. They may be a very shy person. They may be, you know, afraid of being in front of people, but they do it over and over again. Once you get up there, it goes away, but it doesn't mean that it goes away before you get up there. So people learn to take those steps despite these obstacles that may hold them back. Now, you asked about time frame. We personally see people having uh, breakthroughs and shifts in the first few days of using the program. But the real magic happens as a result of really immersing yourself daily in the knowledge that moves you forward. And I want to be really clear too, Chris, this isn't necessarily about shifting from being an employee to being an entrepreneur because not everybody actually wants to become an entrepreneur. It's really about developing the mindset of an entrepreneur to create more success in all aspects of life because entrepreneurs think very differently than employees do in terms of the areas that we spoke about earlier. So things like leadership, personal responsibility, decision-making, commitment, confidence, self-esteem, these sorts of things, embracing risk, you know, and the list goes on and on, as I said. But as we learn and understand each of these areas, changes start to happen and multiply in all aspects of our lives. So for instance, when you become more confident in making powerful decisions, you might initially apply that knowledge to the work role, to the business that you're involved in, maybe as an employee. But you will naturally, because you learn to do that perhaps in business, and it's something that's working really well, then you'll naturally start making more powerful decisions in your personal life, your relationships, your health, your fitness, these sorts of things. So, you know, how long does it take? Is it an overnight thing? It's really a bit of both. You know, we see people having results in those first few days, but this is really designed to be something that keeps that growth happening in the direction you're looking to take on an ongoing basis. And that's the difference. You know, people will go to perhaps a a one-day training session in companies. You know, the, the company will send them off to a one-day training and they come back empowered, excited, motivated. But then people sink back into the so-called reality of the workspace where, you know, they go back to their default thinking. So the magic happens by studying and implementing the knowledge on a continual basis daily, not just by learning some new concept that you learn one day and then you forget it, you know, a week later because nobody around you is supporting that. It, the magic is immersing yourself in the knowledge to really reprogram yourself for success. I really liked you know, this last portion you were sharing with us and the fact that it's not, this isn't really kind of a, a random act of information transfer, like you're going to go see this once and all of a sudden there's going to be a bright flash and you're going to walk out the other side ready for business with a completely brand new mindset. Because you're right, it's something that has to be developed over time. I, I like to think of the fact that you know our, our brains really don't operate at all like a computer, even though, and especially a lot of my engineer friends, we, we make a lot of analogies between a brain and a computer. The simple fact is that it's still biological and it takes time for these, you know, these types of new concepts and new ideas to be able to sink in. So it's great to hear that your program is structured like that. And I'm glad that you highlighted that because it's, it's, I think, a very important component. There's a couple other things that you brought up that I'd be interested to kind of hear your, your thoughts about. So you had mentioned that with some of these mindset shifts, entrepreneurial mindset shifts, which can help to increase and develop, you know, let's say business opportunities that there can be trickle-down effects into one's life and making more powerful decisions in, the, in their own life. 
I find that to be really the way that, that I have approached things and a lot of the discussions that I've had with engineers that I've coached is that you know life and work are not mutually exclusive, that one's going to affect the other. They always do because it really at the end of the day, although we may say work-life balance, it's life. It's all life, <laughs> whether it's work or not. So what are your thoughts about that? Because I'm sure that you've seen through, through your own personal experience, I would presume, of going down this entrepreneurial path, creating your own path and the effects, both positive and negative, that, that perhaps that's had in your personal life, have you sensed or seen that, that maybe that can oftentimes be maybe a, a major or a, or a large hurdle for some people and maybe even kind of a derailer for them and if, they, you know, if these two things get out of, uh, out of balance? I have only seen positives by learning how to strengthen these traits in my own life. And I've learned them by being an entrepreneur but I've applied them to all aspects of my life. So I'll give you an example unrelated to business. I mean, right now we all see on the news, you know, this time of year, people are encouraged by the medical profession to get your flu shot. Now, before I really had this level of knowledge, I would have trusted anything a doctor said to me because they were wearing a white coat. They are the expert. They are the professional. I will trust anything that they tell me I should do. And uh, I have learned to be an advocate for my own health and well-being. I trust what a doctor tells me, and obviously there's a place for that. But then I've learned to not just accept what we are being told by medical professionals, but to question and explore and to research and to find our own truths. And I wouldn't have had the confidence to do that prior to developing these traits for, you know, being an entrepreneur, which is why I developed them. But as an example, I just recently went through a, a little bit of a health issue myself where I was told I would have to be on a certain medication for the rest of my life. And it was just, you know, basically a digestive thing. And I'm in my mid-50s and I thought, you know, I do not accept that as a truth for myself. I cannot accept the fact that I need to take this for the rest of my life. There's got to be another solution. And I'm very solution-oriented and I spoke to my doctor about it quite extensively and, you know, wasn't really getting anywhere. So uh, my daughter's friend is, is a naturopath. So I decided to go to her and, and explore that route. And I was doing a lot of research online. And she actually put me through a number of tests for food sensitivities. And this is something my doctor hadn't done. And a long story short, through diet, I've been able to eliminate the medication, which actually we did in it right out of the gate with this naturopath, eliminated the medication totally. And now I am actually controlling this digestive thing 100% through diet. And I look at that and I think, okay, I could have simply accepted that that was my fate. You know, like a lot of people that I've learned have digestive issues. So many people are on medication and just take that as, you know, that's the only solution. But I don't like taking pills and I wanted to find a solution for this. And I've done that. And it's 95, it's not perfect. It's 95% better, which is it beats taking pills. So, you know, I look at that and I think that has nothing to do with business. But because I am very self-reliant and I take personal responsibility for everything in my life, including my health, that is a trait that I th I'm thankful I've learned being an entrepreneur. And, you know, now as I'm my cho my daughter just got married and, you know, we're looking at probably having grandchildren here in the very near future. You know, we're looking at things like vaccinating children. And there's such a big controversy over that right now, of course, in the media. 
But I think it's great that young people are more educated and they actually are finding their own truths on that. You know, make the decision that's right for your children, not simply because a doctor is telling you this is what you have to do or this is what you should do. I think it's good to question things. All the things we're faced with in terms of our health and, you know, the controversies that are going on in today's world with social media and the the knowledge that's being shared. I think it's great that we are able to, as individuals, actually think for ourselves and make better decisions that are good for us personally and not just follow the herd, so to speak. Absolutely. And and I think, you know, the the key in on this, operating from a solutions orientation, uh, you're absolutely Mm -hmm. right. And then operating as well from a position of personal power, which can be, I, I can see both of those to be a challenge for someone whether they're an engineer or not even an engineer, but if you've not thought about this and certainly maybe haven't even gone through some kind of level of training on how do you move through all aspects of life with the solutions orientation, we're just immediately trying to come up with ways of solving problems and then operating from your own position of personal power. You know, we talked in the uh, kind of the preparatory comments before we actually started recording today's episode about you know, some of my own experiences. Now, granted, not necessarily from an entrepreneurial background, but from a military background and how there's many of the same types of characteristics and traits of uh, individuals in the military can be found in entrepreneurs, as we've been talking about this, you know, being able to face one's fear, not operating as a victim, but operating from a position of personal power and expanding comfort zones to overcome limiting beliefs. And I think this conversation segment here is a prime example of that and developing solutions as opposed to taking, like, here's the answer. It's the only answer. And the fact is, is that there's always more than one way to Skin the proverbial cat, so I'm glad that you shared that with us. Can I jump in there just for one second? Because you really hit on something important there, Chris, and that is only one answer. And this is the way our educational system trains us. We are conditioned to believe there's a right and a wrong, 100%. You know, and if you don't have the answer right, you don't move forward in that class, that grade, that subject, whatever the case may be. So that creativity is knocked out of us through the educational system. And this is something that needs to change. And you could use an example. I actually read or watched a a TED Talk, and there was an educator that was talking about asking children. She was using this very example. She was asking children to name a farm animal. Now, in education, of course, there's right and wrong answers. There's cows, there's horses, there's pigs, etc. And these are the answers that she was looking for. And there was a young boy that lived on a farm, and he said, a dog. Now, if that wasn't on the list of correct answers, that child would be marked wrong. That is the wrong answer. However, to a child that lives in a farm, a dog is a very big part of farm life. You know, the dogs are always running down the laneways. But yet, if that is not on the list, that could be considered wrong. And this is just a very basic example that we have to be able to look outside of the box and find other answers. The answers are not always the obvious And, you know, I'll go back to education. There's a statistic that over 65% of the work that will be done by today's youth hasn't been invented yet. So with this in mind, we have to start thinking differently. We have to start thinking out of the box. We have to start recognizing that it's not just this, this, and this that we can do for our careers, no matter what the field is, whether it's engineering or no matter what it is, but there are other things outside of that that we can do, that we can create an income stream from. And it's developing that creativity, that innovative mindset that allows people to 
create things that have never been thought of and move themselves forward in directions when they're faced with making a decision, move themselves forward without being stuck and being the victim of circumstance. Yeah, that, that's an amazing statistic that you just shared with us about, you know, about the work not being even created yet. So that's, uh, it's actually in a way, I, I find it to be empowering and, and sort of exciting, the thought that, you know, even my own children will have, you know, that they'll be solving problems that haven't even been, <laughs> haven't even been thought of yet. So yeah. it's, a, it's an amazing thing it to is. think. Awesome. It is exciting. Yeah. So, you know, there's one question that I should have asked right on the front end of it, because just when I talk to different people, everybody's got their own answer for it and their own interpretation of it. And that question is, is what or how do you define an entrepreneur? Well, I think if you talk to five different people, you'll get five different answers. To me, an entrepreneur is somebody that takes on a leadership role and personal responsibility for anything that they're involved in. So it may not necessarily be somebody that's running a business. It might be an employee, you know, and it's, it's an employee that goes beyond the call of duty to take on that personal level of leadership, responsibility, decision-making, commitment, all of these things to do what it takes to perform at their maximum potential. So, for instance, an employee that has a deadline to get something done and they stay three hours late after work to finish a project, an employee that's just typically watching the clock is not going to do that. An employee that is committed takes on that high level of leadership. They are treating the work as if it was for their own company. They're making powerful decisions, all of these things. They're the person that is going to stay and finish the job. So they may not want to have their own business. They may not be an entrepreneur, but they're acting like an entrepreneur. It could be somebody that's working in a a group of some sort. So as an example, my husband is a member of the Optimist Club, and it's a group that raises money for children. So they meet and they, you know, they do all kinds of things that they do fishing derbies, all kinds of things. So, you know, why do these people do this? Why do people volunteer for, for groups like this, volunteer groups? Because they have a high level of leadership and personal responsibility. They're implying very entrepreneurial traits to volunteer work. They're getting things done. And we see this happen around us in our local communities. You could probably think of a lot of people in your own local community that are doing things like this. They may not be business owners. They might be just, you know, nine to five employees somewhere working minimum wage jobs in some cases. But they are acting like an entrepreneur. That's brilliant. What I really like about this is in the conversation today, we're to a certain extent changing the, uh, I guess maybe the conceptual framework around what that word entrepreneur means. Because uh, you know, at the beginning, I mentioned the fact that a lot of people can you know, maybe pack baggage on to that word entrepreneur and think, oh, I've got to take a lot of risk. I've got to be working on my own, working in the garage, eating ramen noodles, lots of sacrifice. And the fact is, as you've been explaining Uh, the different concepts wrapped around entrepreneurship that it doesn't mean simply working on your own or creating your own path. Well, rephrase that. It involves creating your own path, but it could still be that within a company or an organization. So I appreciate your being able to help to frame that. And so let me ask this question, because let's say I own an engineering company. And if I was a leader of an engineering company, I would certainly want to have a team of engineers and technicians and just everybody that was portioned or part of that company with their own personal power and their own ability to take responsibility for the work that they're doing. So as a company owner, what might be a couple of tips that you would share with that company owner on how they can help to foster and build the skills of an entrepreneur 
within the employees that work for him? Well, there's a number of ways to do that. And I think with the millennials entering the workforce, I mean, that's going to become a very big part of our workforce here in the next few years. It's already a part, but it's only going to grow as we're seeing boomers retire, et cetera. And we have to recognize what is important for this generation, you know, and and they want to learn, they want to grow, they want to be a part of something meaningful. They want things like flexible work schedules. They want to be able to work from home. They're very tech savvy. They want to be able to utilize technology, be able to do their work in the way that they are trained and comfortable in doing their work. So they don't need to be sitting, for instance, in front of you to be able to to perform their work in many cases. A lot of times they can be out of the office working from a remote location and actually getting the job done. But if you've got people that are you know, from the old way of thinking and thinking that, well, if you're not here, you know, I can't see what you're doing. I've got to manage you. We can't micromanage these people. We've got to really allow them to be the leaders they are. And company owners, again, no matter what kind of business it is, have to really surround themselves with highly qualified people, people that are perhaps more knowledgeable in areas that you yourself may not be, and allowing them to make judgment calls to do their job to the maximum of their ability. And don't put them in a box, you know, allow them to learn and grow and take on these higher levels of responsibility and decision making and problem solving. Imagine if people were more solution oriented and embracing change and able to communicate directly with owners and customers alike. Imagine how different that workplace would be if there was no threat of people being afraid to speak their mind and really sharing ideas and collaborating and doing what's best for the company and the customers. Imagine how that changes the face of that organization and moves them forward. Definitely. And, and it makes me think that as a, you know, as a company owner, you know, there's obviously a mindset shift that's, that's required as well, which is moving to a results orientation as opposed to, as you mentioned, watching the clock or thinking that I've got to operate in this traditional fashion when the fact is, is really at the end of the day, we're all aiming to, we're all aiming to deliver certain benefits to a client, to a customer, to whomever it might be. And if you can do that, if you can deliver those benefits and meet the requirements and do it <laughs> in one hour versus 20 from an efficiency standpoint, what's better? So I think that's a great distinction. I want to ask, where can people learn more about the work that you do, Debbie? Well, there's actually a couple of ways to do that. So um, my main site is the, T-H-E, successeducator.biz. And there you can also find my blog and articles I do for several publications. As well, I do a weekly podcast so people can learn more about that there and, and subscribe. As far as the actual learning program, if people would like a bit more detail on that, they can go to education at home.ca. And, and just as a side note, that word at is spelt out. So that's education at home.ca. And I actually have a page there. If they just scroll across the top, you'll see a page there that says special pricing for my podcast listeners. So certainly that would be uh, passed on to your listeners as well. And then if people want to contact me directly, Chris, feel free to do that. My email address is Debbie at the successeducator.com. Thank you. And, and for everyone listening, we'll have links to the uh, websites and uh, to Debbie's uh, email on the site there, and you'll be able to make contact with her and, and find out more about the great work that she's doing. 
All right, now Debbie's going to stay with us for the Take Action Today segment of the show where she's going to provide an actionable piece of advice you can move out with immediately. So we'll be back in just a moment. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show, and Debbie's going to share with you an actionable piece of advice you can implement right away. But before she does this, Anthony and I have been running the Engineering Mastermind for several years now, and during this time, we've been helping engineers from all backgrounds develop confidence on communications, salary negotiations, dealing with difficult employees and bosses, or making major career decisions like which job offer to pursue or what education to go after next, and a lot more. And this is taking place in an online forum with over 100 other motivated engineers who have been there and done that. They have the experience and the insight to share that with you to help you in making career and life-forwarding decisions. Now, this isn't just mentoring. It isn't just coaching. It's the best of both, wrapped up into a members-only community that focuses on solving your career and lifestyle design challenges from an engineer's perspective. So if you're interested in learning more or simply want to join the team, head over to engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash mastermind take a step towards creating the engineering career and lifestyle you desire. Now let's move back into the show here. And Debbie, what is one piece of advice you can share with our audience regardless of where they are in their career trajectory, so they're just starting mid-level, senior level, that can help them develop and embody the entrepreneurial mindset in their engineering career? Well, I think there's a lot of things I could share there. I probably could keep this going for another hour about all the tips I could give. But I think, you know, if I had to nail it down to one thing, Chris, it's to really follow your heart. Our heart is there to guide us. And so often people let their heads get in the way, especially when making decisions. You know, you've got that decision to make. You're thinking in your heart what you want to do, but then you give your head a shake and think, oh, no, 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 I can't do this. I have to do that. And that's where our heads get in the way. But what we've got to recognize is our heart is where our intuition is. And our intuition is there to guide us in the direction we want to go and we're meant to go. The key is to learn to listen to it and take action without letting fear or limiting beliefs get in the way of what you truly want in your life. That's what I would nail it down to, Chris, is really, really start to tap into your own intuition, listen to your heart and take action, even when you're scared, even when you're thinking, can I, can't I? Just go for it. Debbie, thank you so much for that piece of advice. And thank you again for joining me on today's episode. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, Chris. Well, this has been a good conversation that Debbie and I have had. I hope that you enjoyed the episode. And Anthony and I would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions about either this episode or any of the other work that we do on the Engineering Career Coach. You can go over to engineeringcareercoach.com and either search for this episode, leave a question in the comments section, or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. We monitor all the comments, so we're going to respond if you leave us one. We'd love to be interacting with you that way, so please head over there, leave us a comment, let us know what you're thinking. And until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com, where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.